Are you working? What kind of work do you do? All right, so we're talking about athletic brewing today. We might as well. He's right in the office from a community event. Might as well try it. Uh, air cheers. You you got so a basketball close. arm, yeah. Gus. That does taste like beer. Surprisingly refreshing. <laughs> yeah, it does taste like beer. Yeah, surprisingly um, refreshing. Yeah, actually, I like the vibe too. Like this, this gives me. Vanessa and I always go to Oregon, and this gives me kind of like Oregon vibes. For sure. Definitely like a Pacific Northwest, like yeah. served to you by like a guy with a curled mustache. So a few days ago, we pretty we had a pretty wild moment mm -hmm. with coming in here Sunday. Today's Tuesday. Coming in here Sunday, and both you and I, coming from sport backgrounds, you play college basketball, I play college football. We're both, I would say like we're very wrapped into culture and sneakers and fashion and that entire world and we're very obsessed with brands like nike and adidas and, and whatnot but specifically nike and then we had it we we were able to uh record a podcast with jordan rogers who's the ex-director of marketing for nike basketball yeah and that was a sick moment like what what was your takeaway from that if and also like in your career being able to sit down with somebody like that for two hours and just chop it up about marketing and sports like what was your reaction dude the number one takeaway from talking with him talking with oren is this depth of knowledge that comes from experience. Yeah. You just can't fake. You yeah. know, a lot of guys, there's no doubt in my mind when I'm talking to Jordan that he's done brand campaigns with some of the biggest athletes in the world, yeah. right? He just gets it. He gets that entire landscape. Same thing when we talk to Oren. He just understands how luxury brands actually think yeah. and position themselves. You just can't fake that stuff. Like yeah. you got to go through the time and actually have that experience. And then you can talk so fluidly about it. Yeah. So my number one takeaway from all of it is just, you actually got to do cool stuff to sound cool. You yeah. know, it's so much easier to actually be that way. The, the biggest takeaway I had from the, from the conversation was Nike's emphasis on story. Mm. And what I mean by that is, let's say I'm recording a, a podcast episode with you, Brian. It, actually, we'll compare Adidas to Nike. Adidas would be like, oh, like we just recorded a podcast episode with Brian. But then Nike would be like, this is Brian's story of how he was an addict and made his way back onto the basketball court and mm -hmm. played college. Not that this is your actual story. Right. I'm making this up. Just yeah. <laughs> but he broke, then he broke his leg and he came back from injury. And like they would tell this story. It just wouldn't be we had Brian on. Like there's yeah. the all the elements that make you special and those are parts of, of the things that you integrate into your campaigns into your content that then get people to to love the brand and buy into the brand and it was up to the point where you know later on him and I chopped it up for another three hours and I'm telling him kind of like my background and my history and the places I've been and he's like dude my one advice to you is you need to tell your story more mm -hmm. you need to get people to connect with that because I would have known none of that unless I just sat down here and told me or told you would have told me and you need to pretend like me in this case is your audience and you mm -hmm. need to sit down and tell your audience that. Yeah. And a lot of it is, you know, you want a high value audience. Yeah. And a high value audience comes from people caring about you as the host and the content you're creating. If they care about you, they're going to want to look up more. And so, you know, there's got to be an element of having your story written on a personal website or written on some sort of blog. Yeah. A lot of guys that, you know, we followed coming up it's so easy to do research on them and you get this picture of what their careers looked like. 
And it makes you feel that much more connected to them because you understand their background. You could pull references from what they've done. Um, so definitely another thing, like if you're young in your career, right, document what you're doing and, and talk about it and make sure you're telling that story as you go because you never know when you're going to meet that person that wants to look you up. And not being prepared for that, to your point, Jordan didn't even like, he came on the pod and he barely knew your story. Do you remember that the first thing he asked us when he sat down was like, so what do you guys do? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, damn, you're like really not aware yeah. of, of what we do, which again, cements what I'm lacking or what right. I haven't done a good job of, or even what you haven't done a good job of. Is no like, doubt. We haven't told our story. We haven't integrated that into our content strategy. At least it was easier to tell him what we do rather than like at the Thanksgiving or Christmas trying to explain yeah, what we do. Yeah. Uh, Jordan kind of got it, but not nah, definitely. Mom, fun. I write words. Yeah, no, trying to <laughs> well, explain my, to my, my parents mom. actually get it. They, they understand it pretty well, which is nice. That, that must be nice. They read every news actually. It's like, yeah. it's, and, and they understand how it monetizes. Like, mom, I run ads on Instagram. She's like, is that Facebook's thing? Yeah, like, yeah. Shit. Is that Facebook's thing? <laughs> Where they yeah. share photos? Yeah. Um, so we got a jam-packed episode. So the, the first thing I got is Road to 10,000 10, followers. A few episodes back, I told them, or I talked about how I'm trying to build up my Instagram following. I've spent time building up my Twitter. Okay, mm -hmm. it's, it's Instagram's turn. Right. What did I do to get to 10,000 followers? I think at the time I had like two or 3,000. Yeah. Um, and even before that, it was like, it was just all friends. So I'm given the playbook on how to get there, how I got there and what you can uh, kind of fast track your success um, by taking this playbook. The next thing is, again, somebody that left a pod review, um, is a fan of the podcast, subscribed, et cetera. This guy, Riley, who has a, a vintage uh, clothing, essentially warehouse. It's his retail spot where he sells vintage clothing. Clothing He goes and buys in shops and then uh, also has an e-commerce site. We're going to give him game on, it's going to be one of the free game segments on if we were in your shoes, how would we grow your business? Yeah. On essentially like a, a bootstrapping budget. Yeah. And um, he's got some cool stuff. Yeah, I'm excited does. to kind of there's some really easy tweaks to his site and different things that he can do. Um, kind of like that digital merchandising that we haven't fully covered yet, but there's ways to, in the same way that on a retail shelf, it matters where products are, how they're positioned, that matters on your site. Yeah. And I think, you know, we might put, some, put up some graphics and talk about different ways he could fix that. Um, yeah. And then I'm excited to talk about the rise of the non-alcoholic beverage market. Yeah. And, you know, one brand that has stood out across all of them pretty much, you know, started this revolution, which is Athletic Brewing. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Um, I'm going to find myself habitually just sipping on this thing throughout yeah. the podcast. It is It is good. It's damn good. Um, mm. Refreshing. Uh, Curiously and, refreshing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were reading a GQ article about <laughs> Athletic Brewing's rise. You're going to get a different side of the story today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so excited to cover that. Really cool business, uh, exploding. And a part of something that we've talked about before on the show, which is creating a category. And yeah. how do you take an existing product category, put your own spin on it, and meet the market where it's going to be in a few years? 100%. Athletic Brewing had probably some indications in 2014 when they first got this idea that more people were going to think about health and wellness in a serious way. So they decided to create a brewery that only brewed non-alcoholic beer. It was the first one in North America that was specifically designed for non-alcoholic beer. Um, but how could they ever have predicted the health and wellness trend? You know, what COVID did to that to accelerate it, where people are constantly thinking about what they put in their body. And 
it just, you know, they were in the right place at the right time. And now, you know, they're soaring to that billion dollar valuation probably the next couple of years. So really excited to tell that story. And also the marketing choices that they made to reach that point, because a lot of it was very deliberate and, and really smart. Yeah, I went down their rabbit hole, like just their growth rabbit hole. They're dialed. Dialed. Absolutely dialed. Yeah, super dialed. I mean, it's like a hedge fund guy who was an ultra marathoner and then a longtime craft brewer. It, it, when in doubt, man, if a company's yeah. founded by a guy that came from like big private equity and hedge funds, he's going to be a shark and they're going to make some pretty awesome decisions over time that you're just going to think. In retrospect, they all made sense. And yeah. then, you know, he has the foresight to do it. So, well, let's start there. Let's go. Let's just go right into. Uh, this come up and yeah. Athletic Brewing's come up. What do you got? Because yeah. I know you spent a, a good amount of time researching this. Absolutely. So Athletic Brewing was launched in 2017 by Bill Schufelt and John Walker. And so, like I just mentioned, they were ex-hedge fund guys who also participated in ultra marathons and you know were really into their health and wellness. Um, they started by establishing the first brewery in the US designed specifically for non-alcoholic beer which is incredible. It was in New England. No one would have thought this was a good investment. That sounds like the dumbest thing in the world to someone in 2016. I don't know if you know, but they're on the edge of becoming a top uh, 25 craft brewery by volume. Yeah. So this year, they actually became they top it? 13. Oh, yeah. let's go. In 2023, they're, top, they're number 13. And to that point, so in 2018, they brewed 800 barrels of beer. Wow. I don't have any concept of what that volume is. I know. I just like. said, wow, like I knew what, that that was a lot, but <laughs> I really have no idea. Here's the punchline. Last year, 250,000 barrels of beer from oh Athletic my. Brewing. They've wow. expanded. They have new facilities. So, I mean, that order of magnitude alone is just insane. Uh, the non-alcoholic beer category itself is growing around 30% every year, which is huge. I mean, any market that is growing 30% year over year, that's a massive opportunity. Athletic itself is growing around 90% year over year since its inception wow. in 2017. The last publicly available revenue number for them was around $60 million in 2022. At the growth rate that they were mentioning last year, that means they did north of $100 million in 2023. Another interesting tidbit uh, Dr. Pepper's parent co, uh, the people who own Dr. Pepper and all of the web of you know unhealthy things that they like yeah. to flood the market with, uh, they took a fifty million dollar minority stake in Athletic Brewing. Really? Yeah, at north of a three hundred million dollar valuation. Wow, that's probably already two three xed yeah. by the time of this podcast. Um, some things that they've done that are fascinating is they wanted to associate themselves with exactly what their namesake is, which is athletes and. So this manifested in a few ways. Obviously, the founder was an ultra marathon runner. So he understood that there was this component at the end of a race when you're doing a Spartan race or yeah. an Ironman or whatever it is, where there's a celebration. And it's a moment in time that lasts forever with anyone who completes the race or their supporters. Yep. So what did Athletic Brewing do? They decided to camp out at the end of every Spartan race and every Ironman that they could and just hand out free non-alcoholic beers. This way, they kind of inserted themselves into that very special moment for their target demo. And it was an amazing flywheel to create word of mouth amongst the exact person they wanted to get in front of. And so in 2022, they did that for 2,500 different activations. Insane. From which is like, think about the volume of that. I'm not going to do public math, but it is like, all right, I'm going to do public math. It's probably seven to eight activations a day. Yeah. So like to the, the amount of ambassadors or people that you have to have from your team. So many field at, teams. Yeah. Yeah. At those activations to be able to hit that kind of volume in one year is yeah. insane. And it was 
like you said, like local 5Ks, Ironman races, Spart races, Spartan races, and being there and getting in front of their exact demographic that they're going right. after, which is like that healthy 25 to kind of 44 year old. It's insane. And not only that, so another little tidbit that the founders mentioned, apparently, you know, the Germans like their beer, right? Yeah. Apparently the German Olympic ski team drinks athletic brewing while they're prepping for the Olympics. That's Beautiful. their substitute for, Beautiful. you know, when they can't yeah. get off the sauce, they got to like get the next yeah. best thing. Like, so they're getting on this non-alcoholic <laughs> beer wave. It's crazy. So another thing they did, especially very early on, they showcased athletes like JJ Watt, yep. you know, Bijan Robinson, who's running back at UT now with the Atlanta Falcons and then CJ Stroud quarterback for the Houston Texans. They did a lot of lifestyle marketing with athletes to show these guys who clearly are taking top tier care of their body, yeah. you know, are specifically looking after their performance as much as humanly possible. And they wanted to showcase these people using athletic brewing as an alternative because, dude, let's be honest, it's pretty tough to be at the cookout and not have a beer in your hand, right? Like no one wants to be seen without a drink in their hand in social settings, whether that's you know, cool or not societally, like it just is what it is. It's, it's a really natural thing that people expect. And so they wanted to show, kind of break the stigma, right? Yeah. Look, oh, you think, you know, non-alcoholic, you think non-alcoholic beer is soft? JJ Watts drinking it, bro. Like he'll rip you in half. Yeah. And so, you know, that was one thing that I think they were really, instead of going after kind of like, you know, an ultra marathon or influencer, like they did the field marketing with those kind of, you know, niche sports hand-in-hand like -hand combat right and then the -hand -hand their combat. super top of funnel was going after these athletes yeah um that were pretty prominent now you know they're doing a few other cool things like they just partnered with netflix to license netflix's ip i don't really you know i'm not drinking beers while i'm watching netflix like there's probably other things that people like to partake in while watching netflix but you know, they're licensing now. It just shows kind of that like watermark moment. Okay. Yeah. They are actually reaching the mainstream. You know, Netflix is doing a little bit of parasite marketing there to probably further endear themselves to athletic brewing's audience. And so they collabed and they did like a, a version of the beer that's associated with the Witcher, um, which is one of Netflix's popular shows. Um, and they also are doing kind of some interesting experiment, experiential marketing. So they launched a track record tool. They have a whole campaign around give dry a try in January. And so what do they do? You know, obviously there's some high level kind of broad, you know, oh, here's the benefits of not drinking. Yeah. But instead of just stopping there, they actually released an app that allows you to track your moderation and your habits as you kind of wean off the booze. So they're doing a lot of things that aren't just strictly performance marketing based, right? It's a lot of, you know, brand marketing and brand awareness plays and trying to really endear themselves to those target consumers. Um, so just an incredible job. I mean, this company, they're going to, you know, there's absolutely no doubt where they're headed, uh, especially with kind of Gen Z's drinking preferences, where a lot of people are starting to allocate their budget in their wallet is, you know, less on booze and more on things that are good for them. So the Give, a, uh, give Dry a Try campaign, I kind of dug into that. Yeah. I thought it was, it was so good the way they, they nailed it. And that's why at the beginning of the pod, I was like, they're so dialed mm -hmm. because to, to here's, here's the, like the data behind it. So 62% of drinkers aged 21 through 34 took breaks from alcohol in 2021. That's up 50%. Yeah. Right. And that is a lot of people. Now the data that they have is if they can get somebody to try athletic brewing for one month, that those people stay for an entire year. Mm. So what better month is there for somebody to start trying athletic to lock brewing? Them in. 
than yeah. January. And yeah. so if they could get somebody to start in January, then they could get them for the entire year. And so like that was the entire idea behind the campaign. And then when you look at the campaign and you, you look at it on their site. So the other cool part is they give you 50% off your first month. Yeah. So n- not only are you trying to launch a campaign around going dry in, in January, they're going to incentivize you to be like, hey, we're also going to help you. Like, right. here's 50% off this, this non-alcoholic beer and make it just way more cost effective to give this a try versus another beer. Then it is that you, you're able to track your record. Right. Are you 20 days in? Are you 40 days in? Are you 100 days gamify in? Gamify a little bit. Yeah, you get to gamify that Keep experience. that streak going. Yeah, and when you get to day 90, you don't want to, like... You probably don't, don't want to relapse and drink yeah, beer again. exactly. You know, because you feel so good, like that, all the negative impacts of alcohol, 100%. which people are becoming more and more aware of, like shorter attention span, poorer sleep, more emotional reactivity. Yeah. These things are becoming very, yeah. very prevalent in people's minds. They're, people don't want to be hung over anymore, but that doesn't mean that they don't want to be social. And that doesn't mean that that very fixed behavior of holding a drink in your hands is ever going to go away, right? Yeah. It always makes people feel more comfortable in a social setting. It's almost like 75 hard. When you do 75 hard and you're on day 40, you're like, if I stop now, it's, it's terrible, right? It's yeah. like, it makes you feel bad about yourself. Completely and pointless. It is gamified. Or it's gamified as well. Mm-hmm. The other two parts that I like about this is they also add a reward to it, right? Somebody is going to win, um, whoever does does the give dry try campaign, somebody's going to win a skiing trip, mm. right? The last part is then they add the last, the last part of it, which is the loop. Mm-hmm. Give 20, get 20. If I refer Brian and Brian's now a fan and, and wants to drink and orders it from my code, right. he gets $20 and I get $20, which is the part that nobody talks about really on, on you know, anything like a referral program or ambassador program, that it needs to be two-sided for it to really work and take off. 100%. Where you get a reward and I get a reward for getting you a reward. Mm-hmm. Not just you get a reward for me, you know, pushing you. Absolutely. Um, but no, Athletic Brewing has has killed it. I kind of did some other just research and I always like to start at at like the genesis of the brand. And and I think of the I think about this because of Allbirds too on just like their mission and vision and kind of like how they've just fallen away from it so much. Right. And Athletic Brewing has done the opposite. So Bill defined their target audience as young, modern, healthy adults, heavily barbelled in the 24 to 44 demo. Like that mm-hmm. is how he described their audience. Right. When you talk about Spartan races, when you talk about uh, the local 5K, it is those folks, mm-hmm. right? And then to once you find those folks, it's like, well, what? how can our mission align with that individual so that they buy into the brand? And their mission is to positively impact our customers' health, fitness, and happiness while greatly impacting our community's environment for the better. So where are you going to find those people? At the 2,500 activations you did in 2022. Yeah. The people that don't want to spend Friday, Saturday, Sunday at at home, like doing nothing and watching Netflix or going out and partying. The people that are like, this Saturday, all of our friends are going to a Spartan race. Yeah. Right. We're, or a Tough Mudder or whatever. That's where you're going to find these, these individuals. Then mm-hmm. piggybacking off of what you said in regards to influencers, they've nailed the influencer route. And I wouldn't even sit, call it influencer marketing. It is partnership marketing. Yeah. Like they've done a great job of, of developing pe- partnerships with these individuals. So like JJ Watt, Malia Manuel, David Chang, all these people, one's a pro football player, pro surfer, and a chef. If you go and find uh, these influencers partners on their site, they actually show like their lineup, like their beer lineup. Like these are the the these are my favorites. Yeah, these are yeah. their favorites. Shop and my you, bundle. Exactly. You could shop JJ's subscription. Yeah. You could shop David's subscription. Yeah. Um, it's the, so sophisticated. Like yes. you know what's what's really beautiful about them as a brand too is uh, 
alcohol is not something that you can sell D to C. You can't run Facebook ads or Google PPC towards, you know, uh, Tito's handle or something like that, or a case of Bud Light, right? You got to get it on Drizzly or some other delivery service, which buys it from a store. Um, this is fully D to C enabled. You can, you can shop and subscribe and save, and you can have email mark. Like they have all the tools of a sophisticated D to C operation with also a retail engine that is just taking over like wildfire. Um, it's crazy. And then what I like about them is they, like you were saying, they, they were trying to lay, or position themselves for high performers and athletes. And so they also partnered with Whoop. Mm. And, they were, and the whole idea was to show the, the, the back-end um, problems that come from alcohol and drinking alcohol in your sleep, your recovery, your fitness. Yeah. And now being able to show that you're drinking athletic brewing and being able to check your metrics. And they're fine. Nothing's changed. Like you're still sleeping fine. You're recovering fine. You're, you're still progressing in your workouts really positions you as like, it's okay if I drink this after a workout. It's okay yeah. if I drink this on a Friday night and I still have to run 10 or 15 miles in the morning. Right. And that's big. And then to go back, sorry, because I missed this on the influencer side. Like they, they've taken JJ Watt, they've taken Malia, they've taken David. And it's not just a, hey, pay to post, like post this on your on your feed. Um, they leverage them in their brand asset campaign. So like these, these campaigns that help take that uh, vision and mission and expand the awareness around it. So they launched the Fit for All Times campaign. Mm-hmm. That Fit for All Times campaign is to show that you can drink this at any point when you are training for the Olympics or you are training for the NFL um, or just having a good time, that you can drink this and not be affected by it. Yeah, I think they're they're riding a huge wave yeah. of people generally are reducing their alcohol intake for a variety of reasons. And that's another thing that I want to highlight with them is they were able to capitalize on right place, right time. Yes. Of course, everything they've done is extremely sophisticated, but if people were still looking at non-alcoholic beer as just like fake beer, like I think O'Doul's was the OG kind of like non-alcoholic beer. Like, dude, not, even heard of them. not cool. Like yeah. people did not think that was cool. And, you know, they were kind of able to apply this new age millennial branding aesthetic to something that previously was, you know, frowned upon. And it's an it's a lesson in, you know, you have to look at these macro trends so zoomed out, right? These guys solved a problem for themselves. Yeah. Bill Schufelt was an ultra marathoner who was tired of boozing. Yeah. So he decided to make the best non-alcoholic beer. That turned out to then ride a wave of everyone else starting to feel very similar. And they've done everything right along the way. Yeah. Just an example of how freaking hard it is to do everything right and how lucky you have to get for things to work. There wasn't a better time for them to do this. No. And I mean, gosh, dude, the next 10 years for them is going to be unbelievable. They're just going to keep climbing. Um, So I wanted to talk a little more about the rise of mocktails in general. Um, There's quite a few brands that are, you know, starting to do this. It's, It's the zero proof movement. And, uh, it's because people want something to hold in their hands. Juice is typically a little bit too sweet. Maybe a club soda is too bland. And so mocktails kind of create a fun experience without the negative yeah. impacts of booze. Um, there's a lot of these high-end mocktail solutions out there. It's, a, it's actually a market that's kind of exploded quickly. It is. Like it's been flooded with a lot of different brands. The like, volume of ads that I get from mocktail brands now right. relative to two years ago substantial. It's right. Like this, the volume has grown. I mean, you got like Ritual Zero, um, you know, Recess is one of them. There's, you know, Gaia, like there's all sorts of these different, you know, very 
uh, I put this, they're, they're bubbly. They're, they're cute. They're, you know, very aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. And I think it's honestly a miss by the market because that is pleasing a very strong, strongly leaning, like coastal audience. So, you know, that's really popular with New York and LA and all these different cities, but everyone in America drinks a lot of alcohol. So like, where's the opportunity still in this, you know, non-alcoholic beverage market? I think it's with the heartland and, you know, maybe it's middle-aged moms, maybe it's, you know, grandpas, stuff like that. Like, can we get more grandpas to be drinking athletic brewing? Do they like athletic brewing? Like athletic specifically says that they're doing 24, 25 to 44. So is there an opportunity for 45 to 65 year old men that are also trying to ditch the negative impact of alcohol or are they too entrenched in their ways? But definitely with mocktails, it's like, can you make something that is very, you know, familiar and and feels good for a Midwestern mom who still wants to enjoy the taste of a nice drink, but isn't really getting served that by the market? West Virginia, we're talking to you. I'm just kidding. Um, No, I agree. I I definitely feel like you got to take over Facebook on yeah. something like that. Like that's where those people are living. Like get in those niche Facebook yeah. groups, bro. Big time. Like, and then I feel like you have to almost do like blind tests mm-hmm. kind of stuff at grocery stores. Like, yeah. does this taste as good as beer? Yeah. And you, when you try, it's like, this has zero, zero alcohol in it. Right. Like it tastes just as good. It's just as refreshing. You can still drink this after West Virginia plays a game or whatever. Like <laughs> this is like, it is very healthy for you. You're going to not get any of the downsides oh, of drinking a Coors Light or a Dude, Bud The funny Light thing is like, if we have a listener in Appalachia, like shout out to you, bro. But I just, I know, I yeah. know he ain't out there. Yeah. <laughs> he or she. Actually, oh. West Virginia, not to go off in any tangents. It is, it's a beautiful day. I was telling Gus earlier, but it is that individual. But I went to visit Marshall in oh, college yeah. and dude, it was beautiful. Oh, like, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Smoky Mountains. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so, you know, back on track, like making this actionable for our readers or our listeners, you know, you, a lot of founders, operators, people that want to start their own business, listen to this podcast. And so what are some other macro trends for you to consider that, you know, are maybe on the fringe or not necessarily very widespread in 2023 that are going to be massive in 2033? So I think one of them is, uh, the non-toxic home. So, there's a lot of narratives out there about forever chemicals, PFF, PFAAs or PFAs, um, and these things that are basically ingrained in plastic and other household goods that are constantly poisoning people at their home. So, you know, there's so many different categories that are trying to innovate here. There's kitchenware, there's detergent in both your, you know, laundry as well as your dishwasher. Uh, there's everything in your shower, in your bathroom, right? You know, there's even, I think down to your bed sheets, like how can we get polyester out of the bed sheets? And then, you know, is that an opportunity to yeah. upsell people? Like getting plastic out of the home, I think is going to be a huge category uh, moving forward. You're already seeing this. There's plenty of brands serving it, but like if that market continues to expand, like the non-alcoholic beer market does, there's an opportunity for someone to continue to slide in there. That's what native deodorant did in many right. ways. Like they they took deodorant, they saw, and I know we've talked about this on the pod, but they took deodorant, they knew aluminum was bad. They knew people are becoming more health conscious and like what are the ingredients or the the things within or the chemicals making up the products that they use on a daily basis. Yeah. And aluminum was was uh, alongside so many different like cancers and things like that. that yeah. If they illuminate that, now you could position the, yourself, position yourself against every other deodorant company and then you're able to charge 
$14 for a stick or whatever yeah, it was, like exactly. $10 for a stick. Yeah, get that margin um, going. Same material cost though. Yeah, and uh, Fize has actually talked about this a lot with me like three years ago about the uh, the downsides and the effects of microplastics. Yeah. And how much we're affected that we don't even know when we just microwave our food in plastic. Yeah. Right. And like it really simple, disrupts your hormones. Yeah. And stuff like that. Like which simple things a lot like of that. different complications. I yeah. think um, one that, so there's this company, Blue Land. They popped off a we little while them. back and they, so they're kind of non toxic, but I think they actually rose to prominence on a more of a sustainability kick. Yeah. And I want to highlight something here that is a marketing lesson that I've learned and a lot of people probably have learned as well. But this is such a good example. I, if you are selling sustainability versus selling non-toxic, those are completely different value props to Very somebody. Are, am I trying to feel good about myself and what I'm doing to the world or am I trying to protect myself are completely different motivations psychologically. And you know, brands that are pitching don't poison yourself anymore are going to do a lot better than brands that are pitching don't poison the environment. Yeah. So bonus points if you're able to do, you know, the non-toxic route with sustainability in mind, but I promise you that's going to be a much more compelling pitch 100%. than trying to be environmentally friendly. There's there's a yeah, there's a different psychology behind someone thinking about themselves and being able to save themselves by changing different habits. If you could change someone's habit and then become a part of their habit, yeah. Like the customer lifetime value on something like it's that insane. is astronomical versus right. The sustainability kick, like if it's crunch time, you're like, man, I got to save money. I'm getting them Tide Pods. Yeah, dude. I'm getting like the <laughs> cheapest know? shit versus yeah. Blue Land because Blue Land's a subscription. Mad expensive. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's it's basically like the, uh, like the spray bottles and they resend them, right? Over right. and over again. Yeah. 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 It's going to be the one of the first, I think we've already dished it. We did it for a year, year and a half, but it's just a pain in the ass. This spray kept breaking. And, and I was the, like, the challenge with this as well is that ultimately a lot of these products are not D to C friendly for a lot of reasons. They're, yeah. they're expensive to ship. And a lot of them are impulse buys that normal consumers just don't think yeah. to, you know, it runs into a lot of subscription challenges. The death of most subscriptions is not necessarily that people don't like the product. It's that they get shipped a order when they already have too much of their yeah. pre-existing order. Yeah. And so they're like, ah, like I'll just cancel. Like I don't, I don't really want to deal with this again. Get overcharged, like be wasteful. And whereas going to the grocery store, you can get whatever you want, whenever you need. Yeah. So a lot of these products are going to be very retail friendly. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, to the athletic brewing point, right? Like they're focusing on retail. Like they want to be in end caps yeah. at stores, which are these massive displays that just, you know, are branded and really catch the eye as people are walking by. Um, so, you know, you're going to have to have an omni-channel approach if yeah. you want to get into this category. Another area that I think, you know, is going to really explode is uh, coffee alternatives. So we're seeing this with mushroom coffee right now where everyone's kind of looking for caffeine without the jitters, yeah. right? Like how do I, <laughs> we're, we're a very anxious society right now. Everyone, Yeah. You're probably buzzing your That's timing, right? Look at this. Dude, mix and match. Right? Yeah. You got to be fully optimized. <laughs> Come on, this is Austin, Texas. Uh, but like, you know, people are looking for ways to get into that focus state without yeah. getting the jitters and the anxiety that often comes with being over-caffeinated. So what are they looking to? It's like matcha or including reishi mushroom and cordyceps and like lion's mane in your, in your mushroom coffee blend. Yeah. Like, so I think... Different ways. And I mean, even these days, Zen is being marketed as a nootropic, right? Like, you know, that's a nicotine pouch that people are saying helps them enter a flow state. Uh, so, you know, what are these different ways to kind of ditch coffee that might 
still provide a desired effect, which is kind of a buzz and a focus for maybe two to three hours or, and is then in turn, like pretty friendly to the gut, right. And pretty friendly to some of these other things that, you know, might be preventing people from enjoying coffee. One company that's done a phenomenal job at this is Mudwater. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you're familiar with them. Um, I actually did their subscription. I don't know. It was like two years ago. So probably like early into their journey. And I actually canceled because of what you talked about. I had mm -hmm. like six cans. Yeah. I just wasn't using it fast enough. I wouldn't use it every day. I would use it some days. Like right. I've never been able to fully wean off of ca uh, caffeine. But anyways, I they were one of the, like Athletic Brewing, one of the first to market. And so they were able to create this category of a coffee alternative. Yeah. What they've done really well is, and we're actually writing a newsletter about this, is they've been able to find an enemy. That enemy is coffee. Yeah. The most addicted... Uh, drug in the world is ritualistic. Caffeine. Yes. Right. Find something that's ritualistic yes. for people. And um, they've been able to position themselves as the alternative to that enemy. And if you uh, go down their Facebook ad library, they have 130 ads running right now. Over 110 of them mention coffee alternative. Yeah. Or the best coffee alternative. Or this is my beef with coffee. Yeah. So it's everything is like positioned uh, against coffee. And then if you go down their funnel, they do a really good job of educating you on why coffee affects you, why it makes you jittery, why it's not as good and as, as we think and like why we shouldn't be consuming so much of it. Instead, these are the ingredients you should be taking. And if you take these, you're going to feel a lot better. You're going to feel a lot more focused. You're not going to feel jittery, but you're going to have that same energy level. And that energy level is going to last a lot longer. Yeah. And they do a really good job of, of educating you a lot in their funnel. And never mind, never mind like if that's actually true, right? Yeah. Like it's it's probably pretty compelling marketing language yeah. to get that first order and then from there you're subscribed. Yeah. So, you know, you probably order two to three more times. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the, the subscription D2C business is something that a lot of people are pretty aware of, you know, on D2C Twitter or, you know, these like very engaged audiences. But, you know, for people out there that might not be familiar, like, most of those brands lose money on their first order. So say Mudwater is selling a $79, you know, can of powder, I think is what it is, right? Yeah. They're acquiring that customer for probably like $65, $80 range, somewhere in there. But the, what they're banking on is that you are going to then remain a subscriber for yeah. anywhere from four to six months. So instead of you actually, you know, being $80 of revenue to the company, you're now like $400 of revenue yeah. to the company. And if it costs 60 to $80 to acquire that, that's a very profitable acquisition model. And subscription management tools, you know, almost always do require a reason for cancellation or pausing. And they'll do everything they can to make you pause and not cancel. Yeah. But they require that reason. And, you know, we worked with some brands at Spellbound that were in that mid nine figure range, like 200 to $500 million subscription focused brands. And by far, I'm pretty sure it was like 35 to 40% was I just, I just have too much. Yeah. I don't, I don't need it anymore. I'm, I'm okay. But what I will say, unlike many uh, DTC brands, they have a very, I don't want to say like honest SMS strategy, but it is very like, hey, your, your renewal's coming up in seven days. Hey, yeah. your renewal's coming up in three days. You're about to get charged tomorrow. Do you want to cancel? Do you want to pause? Just let, it know, let us know what you want to do. Right. And then I read that when you text their number, it, they have hundreds and thousands of people replying to messages. They actually have real people responding to the messages. And because of that, they've been able to like make their customers stick. Like their right. customers actually care about them because it's not just, well, what about if we give you 50% off this next one? It's like, no, I have too much product. Well, what about if we, it's actually like, 
them yeah. caring about the customer, which I thought was really interesting. But I do, I do have like five or six cans. Um, and my thing was just like taste. It's not as, I like to either two things. Have like my espresso in the morning on ice with some moon milk from Summer Moon. Yeah. Or if I'm, I'm feeling dangerous and I got a pod, I'm cracking an energy drink open in the morning. Damn. You know what I'm saying? Like that's crazy. It's that kind of morning. Yeah. Vanessa too. Like it's, yeah. We also no sleep, it's deprived, a like affair. the babies crying. Like we just you need, need an extra kick sometimes. Yeah, dude. Sometimes no I mix it. For that. You know, sometimes I get the espresso and I take. Well, a at least sip you take an athletic brewing at the end it. of the day yeah. to take the edge off, right? Like, <laughs> like this whole crazy. As long thing. as you get this thing, man. Um. So I want to talk to you about uh, kind of my road to ten thousand followers on Instagram, just because I talked about it a few months back on one of the prior episodes that I'm gonna I'm gonna go all in on Instagram and try to, to try to grow that channel and develop the best practices in the playbook for growing that channel. So yeah, I did that. Um, over break, I got to 11, I think 11 something thousand uh, right. followers. And really on the back end of it was like 38 videos. So it wasn't like it was a ton of content. And, and anybody who goes and like checks me on that, what I mean is 38 days or 40 days of like po posting consistently. Yeah. I had a bunch of posts after that when I went through my, uh, my try at being an IG model phase. You're talking about uh, the OG like Jay Alvarez days? Yeah, yeah. Like I def I went through that. I phase. mean, dude, those were sick. Yeah, like I <laughs> <laughs> like I was uh, single, and I mean, I was, you have a wife. I don't. So like, clearly, yeah. one of us was doing Instagram. Exactly. Right? I I'm not even gonna lie. She respond. She like commented on one of my my IG model photos, and then we met like a few days later out no, on thir thirst Instagram trapping is Marcos. the ultimate growth hack. It don't, worked. Don't sleep on it. It yeah. worked. But anyways. Those are that wasn't like content for me to try to build my my uh, profile up. Um, it was more so just chasing clout. And <laughs> just, we're all guilty. Be real. Let's be <laughs> yeah, real. We're all guilty of that. Yeah. And so here's the playbook. If you are trying to grow on Instagram, if if in 2024 you're like, I'm taking short form video seriously. I want to use that. I want to leverage it. Um, and to be honest, like some of the people that I've connected with or that have followed me because of my videos in the last. 30 days. I'm not going to name drop anybody, but no, one of them, no, the kidding. one this morning was crazy, crazy. like crazy. crazy, like international icon, crazy, crazy. And yeah. that's, and I've, there's been a good amount of people that have followed me that I'm like, it's kind of like a pinch me moment. Wow. Like For that sure. is, they respect that your is content. a huge person. And it specifically yeah. says they followed you from your reel. It doesn't say which one, but anyways, I want to give the playbook. Cause I think a lot of people will be able to change their business, change their life on the back end of content. And they don't realize that it's just a skill you can develop. Yeah. Right? It is. Uh, everyone so I'm excited. But I to think hear it's more. a science and a sport. Yeah. It's not Com just competitive, science. gamified, and just repetitive practice. Mm -hmm. You don't get good at any sport without just putting in reps. Yeah. And that goes into the first thing, which is your first hundred videos, they will suck. I had a competitive advantage of I started. I started this journey as a content creator. Like that's how I got into marketing. Right. Right. So I understood photography. I understood videography. I understood how to tell stories and create content because either A, I've ran uh, dozens of brand accounts and built up dozens of brand accounts like the Hustle 2 influencers that we now see at Onnit who have hundreds of thousands of followers. So like I yeah. understood how to build an account. I knew, yeah. understood what content works for an account. But <laughs> selfies, the what? Thirst traps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but the truth is your first, if you've never created a video and if you haven't like gone down this rabbit hole, your first hundred videos, they are going to suck. Yeah. Um, and the thing for me is 
I, I love video. I embrace video. I feel like I'm most natural on video, even in comparison to like being on LinkedIn or Twitter. I feel more natural on video. And most people are scared of video. And that's something that only you only get over the more reps you put in. Yeah. Right. No doubt. And that, that the other part of that is, and that's because it's a skill. Being on camera is a skill. You're naturally good on camera. I'm naturally good on camera. We've gotten better over the last 12 weeks, 13 weeks, because we've been on, we've been recording in front of these cameras over and over again, right? Doing it yeah. every week for, for a few hours. So just know that getting comfortable on camera is a skill. You'll learn it, you'll develop it, and your personality will eventually come out and shine because of it. Um, the other skill that you're going to have to learn and develop is editing. You don't have to be a videographer, but you're going to have to learn basic editing and get good at editing to make videos that are engaging, right? So the next thing, once you get over the hump, right? That is the what, hump. Uh, real quick, like what, are, what are the tools that you think are essential for video editing on short form? CapCut. So like Premiere Pro is the very complicated version of editing. Yeah. CapCut dumbs everything down and makes it so simple to edit. So like the right. video that you guys saw me post yesterday, mm -hmm. right? That I posted at 8.30. I started editing and putting those clips and airdropping those clips at 7.30. Yeah. Right? So like that is, if I did that on Premiere Pro, that's three hours. Right. It's just a lot harder to edit on Premiere Pro versus CapCut. Um, that's the main one. Actually, there's... I don't think there's another really tool you need yeah. other than CapCut. CapCut, I mean, that deserves its own deep They're dive goated. entirely. Yeah. I mean, ByteDance Byte released yeah, exactly. the most comprehensive, easy-to-use editing tool for their own medium yes. of all time. But hey, yeah, keep going. So the next part of it is establishing what you're going to talk about. That's what, a, you know, with our Cut 30 class, a lot of people are like, I don't know what I, I'm going to talk about. Like, what do I create content about? What do people want to listen to me talk about? Yeah, and it's like, who who are you? Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, that's the thing that people need to start from is like, you're not going to be able to fake it over a long period of time. No. So there's some key things that you should always be referencing from your personal experience, your passions, and then what you want to be known for. Yeah. And that's the first exercise to me, right? That's what, yeah. yeah. I have three essentially questions you, you got to ask yourself. Right. And these will help determine and, and tell you what you should start creating content about. The first one is, what do you talk about, research, or like to consume endlessly, right? For Like you and I, we were talking about this before. We just like to market or to research marketing and yeah. growth. And like, yeah. we like to go down these rabbit holes of, like we, like you were saying before we were recording, you're like, why is Athletic Brewing partner or, you know, less licensing Netflix IP? Like, why? Yeah. That why is like, you, you're curious about it and you want to go down that rabbit hole. Mm. The second is, what do friends come to you for advice on? If your friends are coming to you advice on on growth or art or whatever the case may be, they most likely they see you as the authority leader, as the the person that's knowledgeable around that topic. They they've heard something that you said yes. that made them think you understood yeah. it. And that's critical because that's exactly what your content is going to be. You're exactly. Be articulating ideas that people are gonna be like, oh, this person knows what I'm talking about. Your audience is exactly that. Your audience is the friend that you haven't built a relationship with yet. Mm. Right? That was a bar. Off the dome. Damn. Like it. He's cold. Athletic brewing. <laughs> <laughs> the last one is, what would you create even if it never went viral? Mm -hmm. Right? And that's just because this shit is fun to you. It, it does, not to add a Naval quote to it, but what does, what feels like play to you? Yeah. Marketing feels like play to me. Growth feels like play to me. Business and service feels like play to me. Yeah. So if that's the shit I'm creating content for. Again, it's just, it's going to be something I, I feel like I, I am doing it for a specific reason because I love it, not just chasing vanity metrics. Right. Now, the second part is 
to this whole thing is you want to approach content like a marketing funnel. So there's top of a funnel, middle funnel, bottom of funnel. Mm -hmm. But it changes from what we typically know as a marketing funnel when you're talking about short form content. So for top of funnel, you want to ask this question. Ask this question. How can I get people to become aware of me? For middle of funnel, you want to ask, how can I get them to follow me? For bottom of funnel, how can I get them to become a fan of me? Mm -hmm. And so the way I like to think about this and even approach it is the same way that they talk about needing seven touch points to buy a product. You want to essentially have like seven touch points, even in theory, before somebody become, follows you or becomes well, a fan becomes of you. Becomes a fan, right? Because I mean, you know, that's a huge distinction too yeah. is, you know, you can build an audience of 50,000, but the real thing will be your email list or 100%. however you want to like convert them into an owned audience. 100%. Um, and yeah. And so for top of funnel content, how do we look at this? So again, another question you want to ask is what content has the potential to reach millions of people versus niching down and going middle funnel, bottom of funnel, which either uh, nurtures people or gets them to take some kind of action. So for top of funnel, for me, it was taking these like viral moments in sports, something like the 7-Eleven Jamar Chase marketing and finding how I take something that's trending, something that already has a conversation going on and putting my spin on it. Yeah. Whether that was uh, New Balance with Coco Golf and, and being able to be like, oh, they printed these shirts. They had this landing page made. Those were all the videos that for me got hundreds of thousands of views, nearly a million views. Mm -hmm. For someone like Oren, it was his product versus brand uh, series where it's like, hey, we're going to review these, these brands, but we're going to say, or these pans, sorry, but we're going to say, is it the product or the, or are you buying the product or are you buying the brand? Yeah. Right. So the idea is, can this, can this reach your ICP? or, you know, the ideal viewer, but also other hundreds of thousands of people, mm -hmm. right? You want to be able to cast a wide, uh, a wide net. A simple tip here, though, is for that kind of awareness-driven content, you can leverage big brands and like celebrities um, in, your, in your hooks, in your content, because those have awareness. Right. And so you could piggyback off that awareness for your own content. Then for middle of funnel, you think about how can I get them to follow me, Right. So how can I get somebody to organically press follow? How is it? That is a hard thing to get somebody to just see a piece of content and be like, I want to be a part of this person's I want more. ecosystem, right? right? Yeah. So to, to get that somebody to follow you, you got to do one of three things, inspire, educate, or entertain. Mm -hmm. Some people do a mix of those things, but you need to do at least one of those. Yeah. And for, and again, like what you were mentioning for middle funnel, that's really the content that you want people to recognize you for. For me, that is marketing, that is growth playbook. So for me, the content that worked best and got people to follow me and that had the highest ratio of likes and shares to follows was playbooks and breakdowns, mm -hmm. right? That is, hey, this is true classics, $300 million marketing playbook. This is Athletic Brewing's $1 billion marketing playbook or growth playbook. It is taking something that most would, would break down at the surface level and be very broad and showing your expertise and kind of showing the, it, the, the knowledge that you have from being in the field yeah. and adding your spins to it to make it very Well, and going to the level of depth that, you know, say, say you see something about like the headline in Bloomberg or CNBC is, you know, non-alcoholic brewing company, athletic brewing hits billion dollar valuation. That article is going to contain all the kind of you know key facts. They were founded in this year. They just got the strategic investment from Dr. Pepper. It's not going to talk about them dropping the app. It's not going to talk no. about the fact that they were guerrilla marketing with Spartan races nope. and doing all that stuff. And it's not going to be anything actionable for someone who wants to see athletic brewing success and then replicate it with their own brand. Yeah. So I think to your point, that's a really excellent way of middle of funnel is 
you know, you're able to show, I understand and wanted to go deeper. And you're, you're providing that like depth that someone might've been craving from another top of funnel type of source. Um, so gives them a reason to, okay, well, next time something big happens, Alex is going to provide the information I need. I can exactly. trust that he's going to be there to look into Olipop's success. I'm seeing Olipop everywhere. What the fuck happened? Right? Oh, well, here's this convenient reel from Alex Garcia, which explains exactly how they did it. That's what like you were talking about cementing your identity. You also want to create the expectation of I follow you because I know every time you post, I'm getting X from you. 100%. And if you could create that expectation and then meet it repeatedly, that's where you develop fans, which then transitions into bottom of funnel, which is how can I get them to become a fan of me? Um, here I'm thinking about what would what do I share with my followers that turns them into fans? How do I get them to buy into this me? This is bottom of funnel. This is bottom of funnel. Yeah. How do I get them to buy into me, into what we're doing, what we're doing with the podcast, what we're doing with marketing examine, where they want to follow along for the journey and they no longer just like consuming my content, they care about my content, right? Like there is a transition from consume to care. Absolutely. And that happens at bottom of the funnel. And examples of that is day in the life. We just recorded the, the episode with uh, Jordan Rogers on Sunday and I created that video. It's like, yo, this was a big moment for me. Like uh, as a kid, I was obsessed with Nike and now I'm obsessed with marketing. And these two worlds just got to collide. Like, yeah, and it's like, you're not, you're not a talking head on a green screen anymore. No. It's like, no, this is, this is Alex. This is real, right? Yeah. And then like the other one was, I made that video that was like, our goal is to build a billion dollar company. But first, like we have to do 5 million in revenue this year in 2024. Here's how we're going to do that. Here's how the team's planning to do that. Yeah. Right. And you bring people into this journey and they now get to buy into you and they start caring about you. They start caring about, are you hitting, did you hit your goals? Yeah. Like, are you doing the things that like you Like, where said? are you at with that? Exactly. And yeah. people care about that. That's for bottom of funnel. The last part, the last two parts are. One, one last thing to the bottom of funnel real quick is, is that where you would say the biggest opportunity is to create the quote unquote parasocial relationship? Right. That's that's where you want to turn it to someone feeling like they know you. Yeah, there's a difference. There's a difference of you create. There's two things to it. You create content for followers and you create content for your sorry. You create content to attract followers. You create then content for your followers. Yeah. Too many people spend too much time just doing this and ignore this. Right. Because this is a fun number to chase. And that's probably what most managers or, you know, sophisticated YouTube business type of guys would tell people yeah. that are struggling to monetize yeah. is you know, you have a thousand true fans out of your million. Yeah. So those are the people that you can't neglect because they're going to make just as much money as those other 900,000. Did you ever hear that story about the some chick who was an influencer and she had millions of followers and she wanted to launch her merch line or her apparel line? Yeah. And she launched it and she got like one order or two orders or maybe it was literally zero orders, but it was under two digits. Like it was under 10 orders. Yeah. And she was devastated. And I think it's like, it is those people that they chase vanity metrics, likes yeah. and just followers. And then they don't build a fan base. Well, do you know who Sneeko is? No, I don't he's think so. He's like, uh, he's really just pretty cringe type of influencer. Um, and like, it's really like hyper-masculine content. Like he's known for kind of being uncensored. Uh, kind of like a, a, you know, teenage Andrew Tate, if you will. <laughs> I was literally thinking that. Yeah. That. And so for everyone praying on Andrew Tate's downfall, I've got a fun nugget for you. So Sneeko decided to release a info product, like a class, right? His total audience across YouTube, Twitter, Instagram is like over 5 million. He's also on Rumble, which is a YouTube's <laughs> uncensored alternative. Bro, his info product sold 87 units. Like literally just flopped like crazy. And, you know, when you... It's, I think it's the same thing. How do you spell He's, his name? Sorry. S, it's like sneak, like the word sneak, okay. and then with an O at the end. 
Um, and to me, it's it's exactly what you're talking about. He spends so much time trying to go viral and be controversial and yeah. so little time like doing, you know, some of the things that might be nurturing oh, this guy. I, I don't think there's a lot of true fans, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that's just another kind of example of what not to do. The So there's two last parts to it on, and then I'll, I'll go down other, there's more rabbit holes, but I'll leave that for another episode. The next, after you've done top of funnel, middle of, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel, now you have to bridge them. Like you do need to, if you're building a business, if you're building a newsletter, whatever, you have to bridge them to your product. You have to bridge them to your newsletter. The first thing that you'll notice is you're creating the right content when that bridge is built organically. Mm -hmm. I'm creating playbooks. Over thousands of people signed up for marketing examine organically without a CTA. Okay. The other part is, if you are bridging people, you want to start using your bottom of funnel content and your middle of funnel content, possibly, um, to essentially give 50% of the value, then package the other 50%. Yeah. So if it is about true classics, marketing playbook, I'm going to give you 50% or very surface level. Then I'm going to go into the into the weeds in my lead magnet. Yeah. Two people have done this very well. No, three people. Sorry, is Jordan Rogers. Mm -hmm. He started doing it. He's added a few thousand people to his newsletter list because he's off some like auto DM tool. Warren did this. He created a lead magnet or was like, hey, I'm sharing the rest of it in my newsletter. Got, I think it was 1,500 subs in one day. Damn. Right? Yeah. Something has to go insanely viral on Twitter to get 1,500 subs in one day. Yeah. Um, I'm talking about probably 10 million impressions. And that yeah. video got 100,000, maybe 200,000 views. Um, for products though, like you can use your top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel content to organically place the product in it. Like continuously making people aware of the product and then as you go down that funnel and as you create more content, then you could you can create that middle funnel and bottom of funnel content with your product. And then the product could be the core of the content. The last part that I think is very interesting is you want to be a DJ. Mm. You want to be better at remixing. Everybody's a DJ these yeah. days. Yeah, that is true. That's a plague in our society. Yeah. No, it, but I'm... Yeah, no, it's true. I, there's a lot of examples of that. Um, the idea is think of yourself as the DJ, not the artist, right? The, the artist, the yeah, the artist has to spend so much time creating one hit. The DJ could remix the artist's song until they make a hit, right? So they could take it, they could add cover to cover to cover until they get a hit. And the other part about remixing is my best video or one of my best videos that transitioned from or segued people from. Uh, actual metrics to following me was my true classic video. Mm -hmm. I had in many ways recorded that video and posted it three different times. But every time I remixed it a little bit until I found what stuck. So it started as uh, like breaking down just true classic as a whole, then it, then their landing page, then their funnel. Those didn't hit. So then I eventually did their marketing playbook. Mm -hmm. And there's something about playbook that people love. And that was the one that popped off. When, so when you remixed it, Let's get like granular for yeah. people really trying to learn. Like, did you change the hook? Was it more so the body? The like, angle. Yeah. The so angle. it was the overall angle. Like yeah. all three had different hooks. And then kind the fourth, of, yeah. the fourth kind of had like a different overall angle. And yeah. you think that's what resonated It was more. like the research from all three combined into one. Yeah. So like funnel, because one of them was like, let's go down True Classics funnel. Mm -hmm. And it was too niche. But then when I broke it down as a marketing playbook and I broke down their funnel and added that as in a layer, it worked. Yeah. So the idea is Virgil Abloh's 3% rule. Right. To change the angle of something, you only need to change it 1%. Right. 
right? So if you take something that that you just created and you create it and you change it by just 3%, you have this entirely new piece of content. Instead of have to remake something entirely new, right. just take what's already working. With those pieces of content, if you look at the metrics, the metrics show that people cared about the content. People saved it. Their ratio is nearly one, uh, sorry, two to one, whereas for every two likes, we got one save. Yeah. That told me this is valuable, but I haven't figured out how to make it two things, engaging and valuable to a lot of people or that it speaks to enough people. And so by doing those 3% changes, I was then able to do that by just changing the way I, I essentially introduced the right. piece of content. Yeah. I mean, a masterclass for anybody, you know? Yeah, that, that was a lot, dude. And how much, I mean, I think the follower that you got this morning, hopefully we can talk about that someday, but Eventually. like, there's your validation right there. Like just an icon following you as someone that he might be able to learn something in marketing from. Yeah. And, you know, he for, follows 970 people and I'm one of them. And that's because of shit like this. You know yeah, what I mean? And that's, yeah. like, that's a crazy feeling. Wait till he sees the uh, rogue fitness segment on episode seven of yeah, Sweat Equity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I mean, dude, what a, that was an incredible segment for anyone trying to grow an audience on social. Um, speaking of socials, uh, if you want more content like that, make sure to follow us on Sweat Equity Pod uh, on Instagram. Uh, my personal Instagram is at Brian underscore Bloom. Uh, it's spelled B-L-U-M. Alex, let them know. And then for me, uh, Alex Garcia underscore ATX. And then more importantly, sign up for Marketing Examined. Um, these playbooks get dropped into the newsletter all the time, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. A lot of times people will see some of this in the newsletter before it's on the podcast or vice versa. But um, if you do want tactical playbooks that you can always reference, yeah, uh, that's where you can find them. And if you enjoy the content, that's the ecosystem, yeah. right? Like it's it's filtering through kind of our heads into the newsletter, into the pod, into short yeah. form video. Um, ton of stuff to learn there. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a big proponent of the newsletter. I was a follower for a My long man. time. So you should definitely subscribe to that as well. Dude, the, the kind of interesting thing about this episode was I did not feel prepared. You did not feel you. You were more prepared than me, and I, I still got some ones that I wanted to. I want yeah. to tease. Yeah, you know, I, I same. We got and, some sauce. And in, and I feel like this is a super tactical uh, episode. Like we we really went into some detail, and there's yeah. some value in here. Um, and because of that, can you please subscribe to the channel? And if you uh, if you uh, email us at podcast at markingexamine.com, and either A, send us a screenshot of a review. Like we, we're not college students doing this research for a paper. You know no. what I'm saying? Like no. we're, we're tracing a different we're type of paper. We're chasing paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And as the episode is called Sweat Equity, you know, the like, show is called Sweat Equity. So. We, this, this costs a lot of money to make, right? <laughs> like we got to be able to pay the bills for these things. So uh, if you could drop us a review, if you can subscribe on wherever you listen to your podcast, or if you're, you're um, on YouTube, then you can subscribe on YouTube. Yeah. And if you think we know what we're talking about and you want us to do a gross playbook for you, just screenshot the review you leave on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on YouTube, and we'll do a growth playbook for you on the next episode. Yeah. The same way we would just broke down the short form playbook, we will take your company and do that same thing for your company on how we'd grow it. One yeah. of the things we didn't get to today was one of our readers, Riley, he has a, a vintage store here in Austin yeah. and like his own warehouse and he has an e-commerce site and he's trying to build this brand. And we did, we put together a sick playbook for him on like, yeah. how would you build this into a seven figure company? Right. We didn't have time to talk about it today, but it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to, to talk about that. But anyways, I need water. I feel like I went on such a rant and, and was I'm getting just, like a damn heat flash while talking. Fear, dude. Yeah. But what an episode. I appreciate it. Every, or we appreciate you guys. Brian, always appreciate you. All right. Peace. Peace.